Why do I play the way I play? Is there a difference between when I'm a player and when I'm a game master? And why should I care anyway? If you say My name is Che Webster, and this is Roleplay Rescue. Hello Rescuers, I hope that you are well. Today, I want to talk about the reasons I believe I suck both as a game master and as a player. Before Evil Jeff calls in to tell me to stop being hard on myself, this is not about self-flagellation. My purpose has been to analyse the patterns I have fallen into, and to see what can be done to break bad habits and forge new ones. While I have felt tempted to give up my hobby in recent weeks, yes, I really have, I feel I owe it both to you and to myself to be honest about the huge mistakes in thinking that I have engaged in over many years. This episode seeks to exorcise my demons. Along the way, my hope is that some of this will resonate with other listeners, especially those of you who have become convinced that you can't have what you desire from a role-playing game. I might be very different to you, but I do believe we can find a way to a more compelling, engaging and fulfilling role-playing experience. I want to go beyond mere fun. I want to discover joy. Before I can work on that, however, I think I need to drive out despair. This is Season 7, Episode 5. Why do I play how I play? To begin, let's talk about my historical default approach to play as a Game Master. While I started playing RPGs back around the turn of the 1980s, I didn't become a Game Master for other players until much later. I properly took up this mantle around my return to active role-playing in 1998. The weird thing is that by then I was confident and ready to be the Game Master, this wasn't a forced assumption of the role, but a, a, an active decision to form a group and run games. It was sporadic at first, not least because I began by playing in my friend Ian's D&D 2nd Edition game using many of the player options books, which I am told makes his game a 2.5e game. When Deb, my wife, joined the Nottingham Club, I was running Alternity, and she did, for a short but memorable spell, run us through some Alternity and then once we moved to playing on Fridays at our home, running using Fudge and eventually her favourite, The Window. Only when she stepped back and stopped playing altogether did I return as Game Master. In the 20 years between the arrival of Dungeons & Dragons 3rd Edition, which was the main reason Deb stepped away, which was, what, 2000? Until now, I have been a player for fewer than 20 sessions to my reckoning. Ian has run the majority of those, exclusively playing in various editions of Dungeons & Dragons. The usual approach to my game mastering for me has been to provide a tortured experience. 
Generally, I'm excited to try some new game system. Sometimes I'm excited to explore some strange new world. Either way, I get excited about the possibility of exploring that new thing, be it a desire to explore the system of a game or to explore the world itself, and I persuade the group to give things a try. Usually, I find the energy to learn and prepare for the first session. This is generally an enormous task because I'm either learning an entirely new game system or I am learning an entirely new world. Because my nature is to want to understand things thoroughly, I invest hours and hours in reading the books and getting my head around the new shiny game or world. If it's a game system, and this is the most common occurrence, I will need to do some self-play too. I create my own characters to learn that subsystem, I run a few combats to get my head around how that works, maybe test a few basic scene types such as an interaction scene if there are mechanisms that support such elements. The practical upshot is that by the time I get into the night of session one I am all ready to run the system but rarely have much actual material prepped. If there is an adventure in the rulebook I'll probably try and run it as written. If not I will cobble together a generic initial scenario in set 2. The game will go well and we will be talking positively about the new game and I will be on the hook for the next session, two weeks from that point and all will be good unless... If I fail to channel that enthusiasm quickly enough and to set 2 on the road to prepping the second adventure the next session will probably fail and it's not going to be the fault of the game system it's going to be because to a large degree I have got what I came for from running that new game system. I now know how the game plays and I will have formed a generally positive view but I have fewer questions about it to answer. Within two or three further sessions the mystery of the new game will have expired. I am not much interested in climbing levels of power unlike my friend Ian and my interest lies in learning the rules and other system stuff presented in the rulebook. Once I have seen that the game works, or doesn't as the case may be, I will be moving on because the next cool game book would have arrived or lie waiting on the book stacks of doom. The cycle begins to repeat. I am not invested in the world of the game, nor the characters the players are playing, and I am curious about the next game. It's a bit different when my interest is about a new world. It looks the same, and there are core similarities, but the reason to switch is different. Sometimes there is a new rule system with the new world which also complicates things and makes it even harder to learn but that's an aside. The core problem when I run another world is that I try to learn everything I can about that world. I read all the books and that means I will also collect everything there is. Unlike with rules where I don't generally buy more than the core game books, with a world I want to know everything. I will subscribe to companies for the duration of my interest. This is generally a longer, slower burn. Normally, I'm running something else and I, I start to read about the new world. The interest builds to an almost heart-splitting urge to explore this world. If, at this point, another person would GM me in that world, I would be excited to play. But generally, I am the only one who's interested in this new world because, if I'm honest, I tend to find other GMs are doing the whole try-the-new-game-system thing. Very few players and game masters are interested in the world, it seems to me. My desire here is to delve and explore the world. I don't much care about rules if the world is interesting. 
I want to visit there and discover its riches. My imagination is fully engaged and I can picture it, hear the sounds of the towns and wildernesses, smell the sweat and iron, taste the food. I want to go there. So I persuade the group to give it a go. I immerse myself in preparing, usually involving many hours of reading and then, at the last minute, I will try to create an evocative opening scene and situation. My style is different here, but I'll talk about that in a moment. For our initial purposes, the problem that arises is simple. We sit down to play and the players will play in their default modes of play. This will jar with the experience I was seeking, generally polluting my vision of the world and spoiling things for me. I will finish the session disappointed and then spend two weeks forcing myself to read, prep and do, well, anything really. Usually, I can do two or three sessions before my fears are confirmed. This world has not captured my players' imaginations as I had hoped. I feel the loss of this new world and, honestly, I mourn. I withdraw. Usually, this leads to long periods of not game mastering. I cannot bring myself back to the table. And the next time I do so, it'll probably be to explore a new rule system. And if you are listening to the Dungeon Master's Diary at the moment, you will recognise this pattern has just been repeated yet again. My default modes of game mastery are either of two. In the first, I am wanting to step on up to the challenge of learning a new game. I want to step into combat and learn how characters are made and unmade. The exploration is of a set of game rules. The discovery I seek is all about asking, what does this game do differently or the same? My immersion comes from running the game, not role-playing. In this first mode, my sessions feature combat scenes and shallow NPCs. It'll be mechanistically focused. It'll be cliched and pretty high energy, the essence of the Friday night knockabout game. In the second mode, I am wanting to dream together in a new world. The challenge lies in exploring the depths of the world and in getting to grips with what it might be like to live there. I am deeply invested in the characters created and their goals. I want the players to journey with me, to delve into the fantasy and to discover together the richness of place. My scenarios will arise from the world, be rooted to places and non-player characters who have motivations and reasons to do whatever they are doing. I'll be focused on the otherworld immersion and seeking to take my time in exploring every detail of this new place. It'll be an experience trying to evoke the otherness of this world. It'll be deep and slow, and I am not really terribly mechanistically focused. It is the antithesis of the Friday night knockabout game. Unfortunately for my poor players, we do the former more than the latter. This leads me and them to believe that I like tactical combat, dungeon crawls and mission-based scenarios and that the mode I prefer is to step on up. In actuality, once I get away from learning new game systems, what I really enjoy is to journey into a rich and intriguing world and spend some time there. The problem is that my players, through no fault of their own, tend to bring what works in the step-on-up game to the table 
where I am really seeking for us to dream together. And this is a recipe for disaster. This has led me to conclude two things. Firstly, I have convinced myself that nobody can really roleplay in the worlds that I enjoy. This has led me away from playing them and has stared into reading about them and dreaming privately. I can imagine myself solo playing, I tell myself, but I know this is a lie because it's really very hard to dream alone. It doesn't stop me trying, I have been doing it just this week, but it's not what I'm seeking. What I really want is to play in a world deeply immersed in that other world and to do so slowly and consistently over time. Secondly, I have convinced myself that I am a better game master when I step on up and offer a simple knockabout, combat orientated, powered up and short lived game. I know I can't sustain it, but I keep telling myself that this is where my players have the most fun and that is partly true. For example, my oldest gaming friend Ian, who I've mentioned before, is very much interested in exploring the options of character through whichever rule system is in play. For him, it's all about the optimised character build. All his big gaming war stories are of combats and big challenges, and that's why he loves D&D so much. The classes, the levels and XP all work for him. Honestly, while that's fab for him, that stuff doesn't matter much to me. It's why I stopped wargaming too. I was always way more interested in the scenario and the campaign than I was in the army lists and points build. And so, dear listener, my role-playing hobby is a hot mess. I can't settle on a rule system. I can't find a world that interests me long enough to explore and my players all think I am flaky. And they are right. But that's my default as a game master. Next, I want to talk about my historical default approach to play as a player. This will be shorter. Usually, I'm interested in playing because of the world and the character. And it's in that order, ladies and gentlemen. World and the character. I will be enthusiastic to play in your world. Because I'm into character generation... I will immerse myself in the creative process with great enthusiasm. Sometimes the character stuff is secondary to me because I am interested in your world and so then I will fall back on old favourites, the wizard, the thief or the fighter generally and honestly I'm not sure I have played in a non-fantasy game since 2000 when Deb was running us through the modern conspiracy horror game using the window. Oh no, actually I have played in odd games convention games of Traveller and Call of Cthulhu, and in Mike Mason's one-shot Cthulhu games way back, and the game he ran in a science fiction world that I just can't remember the name of right now. In short, none of those were memorable, because the focus wasn't, as it turned out, on the world, with the exception of Deb's games. One of two things usually happens. Either it's a step-on-up game, and I quickly get bored, or it's a story now game and I quickly get bored. When I get bored, I withdraw. I notice how long I have to wait in silence between my go at the game. I fiddle with dice. I realise the sheer length of time before I get to level up and, and add some new thing to my character sheet that'll entertain me for one scene in the following session. Generally, I get bored. I am an awful player. I then 
start looking to Game Master. And in my worst behavior, I'll start to try and Game Master the Game Master. But I usually resist that urge. Often, I just go back to the Game Mastery cycle. I kind of leave the game I'm playing, and I feel like I'm a crappy player, and it all starts again. Why do I get bored when it's step on up? Well, I enjoy the tactical combat challenge, but I hate being uninvolved for ages between my turns. I'm really impatient. I also get frustrated when other players make less than optimal decisions, shall we say, and I feel limited by my character. I've told myself that it's better to be the GM because then I can optimize the NPC play to challenge the players and I don't have to wait for my turn. And if they play badly, that's on them. Why do I get bored when it's story now? That's slightly more complicated in a way. A lot of story now folk think that they are interested in the world. For example, when I've played in Cthulhu, the keepers are often selling me on the 1920s or the 1880s atmosphere and setting, but in actual play, this is just a surface coating spray painted over the same hackneyed mystery game. We are looking for clues, talking to cardboard characters designed to point us towards the truth that is in the GM's head, and I am much more interested in the truth that is out there in your world. But what I detect is that your world is an illusion. My character is a vehicle for theme. My role is to follow the path. There's no challenge, little fantasy, and the discovery is limited to the plot. I can get into role and play along, but at heart, I am just playing along. I can do this for a short while. A few sessions is fine. But ultimately, I am bored with the lack of challenge and the lack of fantasy. There is no other world to explore, just a plot. In the worst games, the plot is on rails and I don't even need to do anything. Whatever I roll, I will succeed. Whatever direction I take, you will have me arrive just where you want me. I am left yawning. I would prefer to go and watch a film or read a novel, if I'm honest. I have only had two experiences of entering the other world. Once with Deb as GM, the rules were non-existent, really, and she didn't have a plot. Her world was the real one, but she dialed up the Fortiana and the weird. She was exploring, what if this stuff in Fortian Times is real? I enjoyed that journey. Neither of us knew where it was going. The only problem was that it had no skeleton underneath the world. It was an amorphous blob of possibility, much like when we used to play Let's Pretend as kids. No rules underpinning things means it gets to feel less real over time, less structured. Her admission that she just makes stuff up and listens to the players just stealing their ideas, this undermined my sense of verisimilitude. I didn't mind that she did that, but it was a mistake to tell me that she did that. I immediately lost the sense of the other world. It was an illusion. I got bored. The game came to an end when I left to GM something crunchier. My other experience of Otherworld Immersion came from reading Magician by Raymond E. Feist. I was at university at the time. Well, the Polytechnic of Wales, actually. I got a degree, but it was hardly a red brick experience. I started that book and I read it from cover to cover in little more than a day. I missed a day or so of lectures. I didn't get up from the bed upon which I sat upright and reading apart from food and toilet. I entered that world. I visited, laughed, cried, 
and return changed. I have never been able to enjoy much fantasy outside of Feist's first three novels ever since. Tolkien can do it, but I rarely get to stay long to read. And Jenny Verts can do it, Catherine Kurtz can do it, but I don't get much chance to just sit for days and read. And even so, I know that the book will come to an end, and I don't want it to end. I don't want it to devolve, as Feistworld did, into an endless stream of lesser stories either. The only medium that can sustain this other world immersion, I know it's role-playing games, but I know that very few players want to go there. So... I am a pretty terrible player, it turns out. That's what I've come to believe. I want to visit your world, but you probably don't really have one. And so, I don't know what to do. What are the things that I could work towards changing? As a game master, I have to decide. Am I seeking to learn new games or to offer new worlds? Honestly, I can do the former largely alone. I can read the rules, try out character generation, run some fights, run a short solo adventure, learn about the game and be done with it. The latter will take time. I would do it for players who would want to explore a world with me, but to find them, I need to change how I approach a campaign. I need to choose a world and pitch the world, not the rules, and learn the methodology that will support the other world immersion that I am seeking, or at least some version of that methodology. That is a decision to leave the mainstream. It might even mean leaving some players behind, as much as that pains me, and I would need to find other ways of socialising with many friends. This is scary and painful and hard. Maybe I am better off just being a player, but probably not. To be a good player, I need to go into the game eyes wide open. I need to know if it's not a world-focused game up front, I'll be honest, Then if not, that's okay, but I know I can't commit to a long campaign. Maybe eight or ten sessions to experience your story now arc, or a few less sessions before I am done stepping up into your high-action adventure campaign. But for the former, it helps if I invest in the character as a person, and there are few players at the table, so I don't have to wait for too long. For the latter... It probably helps if the players with me are tactically focused and know how the game works. Again, fewer players helps me to get to my turn quicker, which would sustain my engagement session to session. I think, on balance, I would make a better player than a GM out of my desire for other worlds. But please, I beg of you, stop pretending that your world is the reason you want to play, unless your world is actually the thing you want to explore with a role-playing game. Because if it is, then I'm all ears. Now I say all of that out loud, it really does sound quite drastic. Some part of me feels like I'm on the cusp of leaving the hobby. But actually, this could be a key to unlocking a much more positive future. I don't know how it's going to look. So for now, 
game on. If you're curious to learn more, please remember to favourite or otherwise bookmark this podcast in whatever podcast app you're using. This series is all about finding a route back to the table and improving our game. And I've got some interesting suggestions to share with you about your options. Of course, your story is unique and your journey will be filled with challenges. Perhaps together, as a community, we can learn to find an acceptance of our hobby. If you're using Apple Podcasts or an app that has an ability to rate the show, please consider giving Roleplay Rescue a five-star rating. It really does help. Thanks in advance. Game on. Hey, Jay, it's Arlen. I finished season five last night, so I thought I'd call in and recap. Um, Yeah, ton of good stuff in season five. The interview is really fun. I already called in and talked about how much I loved episode 503 in particular, but you talking with Dave Aldridge and Andy Goodman, those were great too. A lot of good stuff. I was just going to call in and mention, you had mentioned giving out, using the Patreon funds to buy polyhedral dice sets and giving them to, to new players. And I think that is one of the best ways to induct someone into this hobby. You know, there's, for most people who aren't involved in the hobby, there's something a little esoteric about these funny looking dice. And it's a great kind of initiation to hand a bag of dice to someone and say, these are yours. Don't lose them, but they're yours to keep. And so you can, you know, hypothetically do what you want for them. But now you have a way to play these games that we all play. Um, even if you don't have the rules, even without all of that sort of stuff, you know, plenty of games, you don't even need necessarily the player to read the rules. If they, you know, have their dice, that might be enough to make them feel like they belong at the table, right? That they um, are a part of this thing that we all do. Um, At least that's the way it worked out for me. I gave dice sets to my family when I was trying to introduce them to RPGs, and I think they all still have their their dice sets um, from, you know, a little over a year ago now um, because it was something special to them. So... Dice sets, I think it's a great way to initiate people into the hobby. Hey there, Che. It's John from the Rad Dice Diaries. Just listening to your Series 7 Episode 1, Purpose and Engagement Episode. And I'm just at the bit where you're quoting the Angry GM's book. And I was finding it really interesting when you were talking about the different types of players that he sort of proffers. Uh, and as you were saying, I think, Elements of these are sort of present in most people to different degrees. I particularly like your sort of a metaphor where you're talking about the the equilateral triangle, you know, the three different bits, and you tend to move around the where exactly you're situated during your gaming life, and I think that's true. I mean, I think for, for my case, whilst I certainly do like the opportunity to switch off and just relax, I also really love the opportunity to explore a world that someone else has created and find out all the little things and sort of make little connections in my head. But I'm going to get back to the rest of the episode, dude. Really enjoying it. Take care, stay safe, and I'll catch you soon. Hey there, Che. It's John again. Just finished listening to Series 7, Episode 1. And yeah, 
I think you are absolutely right. Obviously, as you say, there is no one true way to play, but it's interesting to talk about what individuals and different people get out of play and why we look to play and have a bit of self-reflection about that. So I really enjoyed the episode. And yeah, I do feel a bit bad because, you know, like you say, you were compelled to point out obvious points like that at the start of the episode due to some of the current climate and yeah i often find myself pointing out things where i think surely if anyone's got a bit of common sense if i say i like to play like this it doesn't implicitly imply that everyone has to play like that but unfortunately that's the way a lot of people sort of read that particular sentence and they sort of put their own sort of spin on it so to speak and whilst i lament the necessity of that to a certain degree because i'd like to hope deep down that most people have a, a dash of common sense i do find it easier in some cases just to explicitly state stuff like that just to save myself the earache in the long term but i very much enjoyed the episode in particular i liked the quote you said the whole it's all about the dream we experience together i may have misquoted that there but i really love that quote that encapsulates a lot of what appeals about RPGs to me personally, and I would definitely be thinking about adopting that as my mantra going forward. So thank you very much for that. I'm now going to get on with listening to the voicemail section of the episode, but just wanted to let you know, I really enjoyed it, dude. Keep all the good work. Love what you're doing. Take care, and I will catch you soon. Two marvellous call-ins there. Thank you so much to Arlen and to John. I really appreciate your calls, and... Well, I don't think there's much I can add. It's just nice to hear what you had to say. So thank you. I hope that other listeners will also find some value in that. I know that I certainly did. And now I've got one more call in to do. And I think, guys, I need your help answering this one. This one's from John. Let's see what he's got to say. Hey, Jay. John from Tale of the Manticore here. I've got a question, and it's something I thought you might like to explore on your show. As with many of us in the OSR sphere, I took a long, long break from role-playing games. Over a couple of decades, actually, so I think that a lot of my views and uh, perspectives are pretty out of date. There does seem to me to be a topic that's kind of taboo. Maybe I'm imagining it. What I'm wondering is, is there still a stigma, like a nerd stigma, attached to role-playing games and gamers in general? From what I see, it seems to have lessened, but I think it's still there. I don't know. Am I imagining it? Anyway, I can't really think of anyone whose thoughts I'd rather hear more on this. So, if it's something that suits you to talk about, I'd be curious to hear what you have to say. Well, now there's a question, isn't there? Is this still a nerdy hobby? Uh, John, I'll be honest with you, I think it depends on who you talk to. So, if I talk to adults who grew up through the sort of 80s, 70s, 80s, then yes, unless they're a gamer, this is nerdy. And the same goes for sort of my parents and and people you know came before the era of dungeons and dragons i don't think many of those still get it but it's interesting because if i talk to younger people um, especially people in their 20s and 30s then i find more of an acceptance i think there's a lot more in common but i do think it's limited a little bit by how we approach our play if you are the kind of person who enjoys a story now game you're probably going to find more sympathy out there in the community than if you're an old grognard who likes to step on up or like me are really really world obsessed 
If you go to really young kids, it sort of depends. There are a lot of young people who are very insecure about themselves and about, you know, the things that go on around them. So I certainly have had lots of chortles behind, you know, hands at school when I've talked about Dungeons and Dragons. A lot of kids look at me like I'm insane. But then the imaginative ones, the ones who like stories, who like anime, who like film, they are usually interested and will come and talk to me. So I'm just going to say it again. I think it depends on who you talk to. But that being said, if anyone is listening to this and you have a perspective you think you can help John with, I would really love for you to call in because I don't know, actually, is it just me? Is it just the world I'm moving in, the the circles I'm moving in? Is it more accepted in other places? If you think it is, or in fact, if you think it isn't, please call in. Thanks, John. I hope you're well. And please keep making that fantastic show. Tell the Manticore. And that's it for this week. More thoughts that bubbled up from my unconscious mind and, as ever, they demanded to be expressed. Thank you for listening. Thank you also to all of today's callers. Thank you to Arlen, to John Large and to John. I really appreciate you taking the time to share your thoughts and your responses and your questions. Each time I get a call in, I do feel a rush of excitement and encouragement. So thank you. As ever, thanks are due to the loyal Roleplay Rescue patrons who support the show through patreon.com slash RPG Rescue. I know that times are tough and money is tight, so your $5, your $3, or even your $1 contributions, all of these are valuable to me. Right now, as I try to imagine the school club after lockdown, I'm considering how best to use those funds for gaming. I am aiming, as Arlen mentioned earlier, to continue offering beginner sessions, give away free dice, and thinking about getting more copies of the D&D starter set into the hands of students in the later part of this year. But a lot will depend on what the school allows. Nevertheless, thank you for your ongoing support. Finally, thanks to you, the listener, for taking the time out of your day to listen to me. Thank you so very much. I hope it wasn't too weird. My name is Che Webster. This is Roleplay Rescue. See you again next weekend. Game on. (laughs) 